Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Max Robbins, who founded Dragon Egg Games with his wife, Maria, and their goal is to make unique games with great artwork that gamers and non-gamers alike could have a great time with. Today, we're going to talk about their newest title, Impendium, which is currently on Kickstarter. Max, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you. This is a uh, this is your second game. We're going to get into it in a minute. Uh, before we get there, I just want to start. How did you get into this this board game industry? Where did this all begin? How long have you been doing this for? Yeah, um, I think like most people, it kind of came from the the passion for the hobby, right? So mm. my wife and I, uh, you know, board games have been a, a defining part of you know our relationship, really all the way back to college and how we hung out together, hung out with friends. Um, and we just kind of, you know, over the years got deeper and deeper into the hobby, um, to the point where I think like, again, a lot of people, we started rattling around mechanics and ideas and themes in our mind and, um, started actually designing things. Um, you know, it's, it's a far cry from designing a board game to actually, you know, making one and getting art and trying to develop it. But, yeah. um, you know, it only took, uh, you know, a few years of that to say, Hey, let's, let's give it a shot and, uh, and try to make something cool here. So. You know, since then, we've been taking some of those ideas that we've, you know, had flushed out at various degrees of playtesting and, and really put more polish behind them, got, you know, pretty prototypes. And uh, and here we are. So who convinced who to start getting into the game industry? Do you, you convince your wife or she convince you? <laughs> yeah, it was me convincing Mara for sure. <laughs> She's very supportive. <laughs> and so what kind of games did you start off with? Like back when you guys first started hanging out, what was the, what was the type of the typical game you would play? Yeah, I mean, Catan was was our gateway game. Uh, we played that quite a bit, yeah. uh, and you know, with friends in college and stuff. Um, but I'd say the one that really kind of got us into the new wave sort of hobby industry gaming was Blood Rage. That's that's our go-to. That's been our, you know, defining game. So um, big fan of you know Eric Lang and Rising Sun, Blood Rage. Um, but yeah, that's that's always been our fallback. So what do you do for a living? Like what, what's your day job outside of uh, creating games? What are you doing during the day before you get home and get into the fun stuff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just count down the, the hours, right? Uh, so, so I'm in software, actually. I work for oh, cool. uh, an accounts receivable automation company um, doing partnership management. So I essentially work with uh, how do we you know, work with implementers or other independent software vendors, other types of uh, programs that we could integrate with. So it's fun. It's uh, it's puzzly. You know, I'm not super technical. It's it's more of a sales and marketing gig mm. than anything. Um, but but yeah, it's it's a great place to be in. Did you find that that helped you at all when you got into you know creating games and promoting your games, having kind of that I yeah. guess a sales experience for lack of a better word or a customer relationship management experience? Yeah. Or? Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd say like channel management, alliance management is a fairly niche sort of role yeah. um, in a lot of different industries. But definitely when you think of everything that goes into, you know, A, running a company or B, you know, creating a product, there are so many different moving pieces and you're kind of creating the this, this puzzle that's greater than the sum of its parts in many yeah. ways with all these different companies. Um, so that's, yeah, I mean, that's my day job. So bringing that into, uh, you know, some cardboard and and cubes was a pretty logical transition. I, I, I there's a lot of people that they get into game design. Like there, there's probably more people out there who have an idea on how to create a game or a game idea 
then there are people that take it to the next step, right? That take it into actually going to Kickstarter and so forth. And for me, a lot of that, the majority of it, I think, is is the business side of it, which is what holds people back, right? Because Mm -hmm. unless you can find a publisher to take your idea on, you got to learn all that stuff, right? And, um, you know, a lot of times when you talk to people in the industry, they've come from parallel industries in many cases where they've been able to utilize a skill set, not always, but often being able to utilize a skill set from another job, another career, and then build kind of around that as they get into this industry. It sounds like that's kind of similar for you guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I was uh, just as naive as anyone else, I think, getting started, you know, thinking, hey, if I put something on Kickstarter, the backers will come oh, yeah. and, you know, just uh, making all the the rookie mistakes. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you definitely it's a learning process. There's a lot that goes into it. There's there's so many different things to consider from marketing to logistics to manufacturing community development, even before you click live. I mean, what are the months and months and months of things that you're doing to get ready? So um, been learning along the way. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I've uh, definitely learned a lot. Now you've done, this is your third your third Kickstarter, I guess, right? So yeah. uh, your first game was called Apodaya. Is that the name of it? Uh, Apodaya, yeah. Apodaya, okay. It's a made up word, so however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> I'll call it Apodaya. That's, that, yeah, that's yeah. my name. <laughs> that works. That's how we say it in Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what was that game about? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the boat came out there for sure. Um, <laughs> it's uh, so that's all about bees. So it actually, the, the name comes from Epidae, which is like the genus of the whole bee family when you think of the scientific term. Um, but it just came from, I was literally watching a documentary about bees and thinking, man, all of this is just like, I was just putting board game mechanics to it. You know, you're going out into the world, harvesting nectar and pollen. And, you know, what are you doing if you're a bee? Well, you're building your hive and you're, you know, so the, uh, the whole game is essentially that you're one of six different asymmetric, uh, bee species. And your goal is to build the best hive, you know, through the seasons and you're playing through, uh, spring, summer, and fall before winter. And, uh, whoever has the best hive at the end wins essentially. So, um, and, yeah. And how did it do? Like, so is when, and what year was this? When did you launch this game? Um, man, what year is this? This was it's 2021 20, right now. I know it's a, it's a blur for most people the yeah, past year, but minus three, probably. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's just been a dark hole, man. Um, I think 2018, I want to say, um, okay. and, and essentially, you know, it, it did well enough, right? We were funded, um, you know, had, uh, you know, close to 300 backers. So, so, you know, great for, you know, first, first yeah. run, uh, but it's just so scrappy. You know, I was uh, like all the art in that game, for instance, was literally me walking around taking pictures of my property or, or bees like that. I would find out in the wild, running them through art, art filters and stuff and kind of making everything myself. So it was a very, very scrappy kind of grassroots. Let's learn on the fly kind of project. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy with it, but you know, this is before Dragon Egg Games even arose, like in, uh, the Kickstarter, um, moniker is actually Blue Flame Games, just to, you okay. know, like didn't have a company yet and was just kind of inventing as we went. So, um, so yeah, but it really was an awesome kind of launching point into the industry to learn, okay, what is Kickstarter? What are the different components that we have to do? What does a community look like? Yeah. Um, what do you do with retail, right? Um, and, and we've seen a lot of those folks that were with us from the beginning now, you know, watching as we're evolving to, uh, some, some really, um, fun stuff. So I find the learning curve, especially at the beginning, um, is pretty steep, right? Uh, now you're on your third one. So I know there's, uh, there's always new stuff that comes up, Yep. but the basics of 
you know, how do you publish the page? You know, what happens when you click uh, launch, right? There's right. all these things that aren't necessarily evident, right? And Kickstarter, yeah. unfortunately, is a bit clunky in that regards where you don't really have a, a good preview as to what the steps are that are going to happen up until that moment you, you launch, right? So when right. you hit the button, does it automatically launch or is there like a, a reconfirm uh, section, things like that? Like they, right. none of that information is really in there that I could find. So yeah. you know, that first campaign really helps you cut your teeth and yeah. uh, you know, kind of set yourself and, you know, kind of put a, put that stuff aside so it's not a distraction and really focus on the important stuff like building a community and so forth. Right. So you built, uh, so Nova Lux was the, uh, the second game. Novalux is the first, yeah, the second game after Epidea. Yes, yeah. first game in the Space series. Yes, absolutely. So how did you come up with this idea? How long has this idea been kind of germinating for? Yeah, um, so I've been a huge sci-fi nerd uh, for my entire life. You know, big fan of Isaac Asimov and, you know, Doctor Who and Star Wars and, and all these crazy wacky sci-fi ideas. Um, and so one of them uh, actually came from a short story by Isaac Asimov called The Last Question. And he basically explores this concept of entropy where, you know, all the stars are winding down, you know, all of the uh, energy in the universe is, is decaying into chaos, absolute chaos, right? And what, what is humanity's journey as that progresses through the millennia? And it was, uh, it's just a really interesting kind of psychological exploration of the types of beings that would be there sort of at the ultimate apocalypse, the end of the known universe sort of uh, yeah. concept. So, so that's where I started <laughs> with the theme and a concept. There's a lot to unpack from that. Um, but Nova Lux was exploring that same question. You know, what would the, the aliens at the end of time look like? what would they, what would their purpose even be? You know, what's driving them? So sort of exploring this psychological concept of like hope and uh, perseverance through absolute adversity. Um, so, so the game then just sort of started evolving from that story. So you essentially represent one of, uh, you know, a plethora of orphaned alien species at the end of time. There's only like 16, uh, depending on how many players you're starting with, uh, 16 stars left in the universe and they're all collapsing around you. And so you're desperately trying to go around the universe and collect everything that you need to sustain biological life. There's no more planets to live on. You're in this uh, arc of salvation, essentially a giant planetary, planetary space vessel. Yeah. Um, you know, again, high sci-fi theme. So you've got this biosphere engine where you're repurposing life forms and botanical oxygen and water. Um, you know, you're, you're harvesting the actual hydrogen from the stars themselves, which just speeds up the collapse of the universe. Um, so that's really, you know, the theme of the game and the mechanics, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, flying around the universe, you're managing these different resources, you're leveraging the powers, the asymmetric powers of your unique alien factions that's sort of creating this conglomerate federation. And your ultimate objective then is to create this enclosed biosphere star colony inspired by a Dyson sphere. Like a Dyson anyone... sphere, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so you're wrapping that around one of the last remaining stars. And uh, essentially when you do that, you're, you're set, but then you have to satisfy all of your factions to avoid, you know, civil unrest in the new new federation, essentially. Um, and that's where the game ends. And then Impendia picks up. <laughs> so, yeah. And the mechanic on this was um, was really cool. Like I was watching some of the, the, the playthrough videos and this idea of, you know, you deal the cards out, right? So mm -hmm. you've got, um, 
I guess all these kind of stars, right? And then yep. I, uh, my understanding is, depending on number of players, you randomly pull uh, cards, and those stars are basically the starting stars. Yep. The rest of them, I think, are red giants or something like this. Yeah. So you've got three layers of cards. The, yeah. The base layer is essentially space. You can have black holes, wormholes, you know, space dust, yeah. neutron stars um, that have exploded. And then the layer above that is a red giant. Layer yeah. above that's like you know the kind of standard healthy yellow star. And yeah, you're collapsing them down. So as you drain a yellow star, then it's going to turn into a red giant getting ready to explode. And after it does that, you know, it could be a black hole, it could be a neutral, you don't know what's coming up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you're you're literally collapsing the map around you as you're all trying to navigate it. So uh, it, it, it just because I want to hone in on that mechanic, uh, because yeah. it, it it's the one thing that really caught my eye, right? So sure. to describe to these kind of viewers is you've got you know, is it on the, I know it's, it's not on the impendium page. Is it in your Nova Lux? Maybe I can find that and show the, uh, yeah. If you pull up the Nova Lux campaign, there's a bunch of different kind of animated gifts about the, uh, the setup. All right. We're going to, uh, we're going to do that. We're going to pull open your, because uh, it, it's, it's one of the cooler things I've seen in a game in, in a while. And anytime I see something that's kind of it was new for me. Maybe it's not new for others, but for me, it was kind of a new, uh, like it was, a, did you borrow the idea or did you kind of come up with this yourself or? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I put the theme on it, <laughs> right. I think. Yeah. You re um, repurposed the mechanic basically, right? Yeah. I think if you look at, you know, there's, there's a lot of different games that sort of have, uh, you know, the map uh, collapsing around you. There's the, um, I'm blanking on the name right now, super popular game. Everyone's on an Island trying to get the treasure and get out. Yeah. Cooperative game. Um, similar idea there where things are collapsing around you and, you know, there's going to be safe spaces and spaces that you can use and things like that. Um, but I really wanted to create this sort of finite feeling. So, yeah. you know, as you set up the map, there's literally a finite amount of hydrogen on the map. You set the hydrogen markers and you're going to start draining those. And, you know, when it gets to zero, it gets to zero. Someone yeah. will win before that, hopefully, but, uh, you know, if so, you're playing solo, you might not. <laughs> yeah. So the people, you can't see this, but the people that are watching can see, uh, I'm sharing my screen right now and you can see the grid that we're talking about with these cards, with the three layers of, uh, of cards. Mm -hmm. And then kind of, when I scroll down a little bit further, this is on the Nova Lux page, by the way, um, yeah. you've got almost like this clock, this hydrogen clock on, on the yellow yeah. sun. And as you're draining the hydrogen that you're moving the cube down and you're literally draining that sun. And when the sun fully drains, uh, I think you remove that card or you flip it. You remove the card and this is actually unlocking a new mechanic that you yep. can do, which is this biosphere engine. So you take that card into your private biosphere engine yep. and now you have a new action that you can do, which yep. is to use that. on. You turn into a red dwarf though, right? Yep. Yep. And then you turn into a red or a red giant. Yep. A red giant. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, yep. uh, it was cool. Oh, and there's the uh, mechanic there. So I'm showing the people who are watching right now, they can see the actual hydrogen kind of counting down on the on the sun. Yeah. So what? So the, between the two games, so we've got uh, Impendium and then we've got Novalux. Is it, are we carrying the mechanics from Novalux over to Impendium? Is that kind of, is it just like another chapter in the story or it's, what have you added for Impendium? Yeah, so it's very, very different, honestly. Um, I, I wanted... So theme is huge for me. Theme is number one. I wanted to take this story, which is essentially the beginning of what I thought of as this big, you know, epic apocalyptic space opera type story and essentially tell the next chapter of that story. Yeah. And so, again, think thematically, we've collapsed the universe. There's one galactic federation, which is brand new and totally, uh, you know, unaware of what mm -hmm. to do with its existence. 
uh, and what to do with an existence without a universe. And, um, and so you pick up right where Nova Lux ends and you represent one of these alien factions again um, with this crazy task of rebuilding the universe from the ground up. So we're reversing the law of entropy. We're building stars from nothing. I mean, you know, again, super, super uh, crazy sci-fi. Like I don't even no, know what's cool. possible and what's not yeah. in this game. But, um, but that's the idea is you're rebuilding the universe from the ground up. And as you do, this mysterious uh, void, this entity that's really upset that you're breaking the law of entropy comes out and is trying to destroy everything that you're doing while you're doing it. Is that um, the Cylon dude with the red hands, with the flames coming out of his hands? Yes. Yeah. He's not happy <laughs> about it. <laughs> exactly. Um, actually, he's he's one of the factions. If, if There's a whole graphic novel to it, too. He's, he's one of the factions that's turned into that crazy dude uh by by one of these uh harbingers of the void uh so is he like an ai gone amok or what is he uh there is an ai gone amok but that's not that guy <laughs> he is he is actually a knight of sepulon prime here i can show you so again there's a whole graphic novel to this as part of the campaign i don't know if you guys can see that but it's that guy that's cool so he starts off in uh, nova lux as the leader of one of these alien factions which is actually human beings uh, and then, you know, he's basically tasked with maintaining this uh, kind of pseudo religious order yep. that, uh, you know, it's trying to gather up all these different aliens and, and collect them as this, uh, you know, sort of weird Noah's Ark kind of uh, emulation. And then later on in the story, he turns into that guy. So this guy is looks the guy like, like a cross between a Cylon and an Iron Man. Yes, cool. exactly. exactly. Just describe for the, for the people listening. So... The story itself, did you write, have you, are you working with a writer? Did you write this? Where did the story come from? Yeah, I wrote it. Um, again, That's it's cool. like, it's all theme. So for me, the, the game and same, even going back to Apodea, like it's what do, what do bees do? It's what does a crazy alien faction who just established a federation is looking at this blank canvas of a universe do? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I wrote the story um you know worked with the artists to kind of put everything together and you know they've done an amazing job bringing it all to life um who'd you, you have know, do your art uh so it's actually somebody on on fiverr who preferred to remain anonymous for this one wow. um but yeah i mean you can you talk about the the type of people that you can tap into in the community i mean there's so many amazing resources yeah. out there to get started um yeah fiverr's a great but, one I, I find the challenge yeah. with fiverr is you got to be <sighs> I don't like to use the word bait and switch, but you'll see like low um, costs. And then when you kind of peel back the layers, it's like, oh, but that's for like a sketch. And if you want the colored yeah, version, exactly. you're going to pay this check. You know, and then you're up to like a, you know, normal. Yeah. And then you're back artist. to normal rates yeah. you get if you went to like freelancer, yeah. one of these yeah. uh, or Upwork. Or um, right. one thing I, I've always give people a tip on with Fiverr is filter by um, when the person joined. Sure. Because if you're looking for an art, and whether you're doing an art like a voiceover, which I use Fiverr all the time for voiceovers, yeah. or you're you're doing actual art like this, if you filter yeah. by most recently added, mm -hmm. you're more inclined to find somebody who's going to want to take uh, give you a deal on on their rate in order to establish their portfolio and get their sure. ratings and their reviews up on Fiverr. So, yeah. um, definitely a great great tool. It yeah. is visually stunning. The artwork is is awesome. There's yeah, no doubt about no, that on you. this game. You've done an amazing, amazing job. Talk a little bit about some of these. Um, like I know there's a dual layer board. I think you've unlocked. Yeah. 
yep. so far, right? And and just so uh, people know, uh, right now you're sitting at almost 20,000 in funding on a $7,900 goal. I'm saying that in Canadian dollars because it's bigger. <laughs> and 318 backers, still got two weeks to go. So it's not a question of whether this game is going to hit uh, the market. Yeah. It is going to hit the market. It's already funded. It's just a question yeah. of how many things get unlocked and how many people are going to get a cool game like you, right? So yeah. um, talk to us a little bit about some of these upgrades. So you've got the dual layer boards, which to me, moving yeah. cubes on a flat board sometimes is difficult because we need yep. to knock the table they go flying right so this dual right. layer board has like notches and stuff in it yep yeah honestly um everything that we put out there is a stretch goal um you know quote unquote stretch goal we're just going with number of backers rather than yeah. funding level um was from listening to the community right we have an awesome community from nova lux and yeah. nova lux is super tiny like i'm holding in my hand for anybody who can see it. I mean, it's like smaller than, you know, coup. It's like, you know, basically a large kind of jumbo deck of cards size box. You cram a lot into it, but obviously it has design challenges with, you know, dual layer boards are going to be a lot thicker and you don't have room yeah. in the box. So, so, um, you know, from listening to what people wanted from Nova Lux, if they could depart from the Uber compact design, um, things like, Hey, rather than, you know, cylinders, what if we had ship meeples? Yeah. Um, hey, what if we had cube, you know, dual layer boards to hold the cubes. And so like, so those were the first things that we, you know, developed for Impendium. <clears throat> and, you know, you had asked, how does it kind of play off of Nova Lux? Yeah. You can literally use the exact same setup. As a matter of fact, you do, there's an integrated um, sort of legacy way of playing Nova Lux and then playing Impendium with the same map setup. Mm. Um, so it's the same resource counter. It's the same number of resources. So you can use the dual layer, uh, impendium boards for Nova Lux as you're cool. picking up right from from a game of of, uh, of Nova Lux. Um, so so yeah, all of the stretch goals have basically been you know inspired by the community. Um, you know, new factions for the backers. You know, Kickstarter exclusive Harbingers of the Void upgraded components. Um, yeah, and it's been awesome. I mean, we've had to invent new ones along the way as we've been going because of, uh, you know, the, the overwhelming support from our community. So. We could tell uh, certainly that uh, you've put a lot of uh, thought into in the creation of this game. Like it seems very detailed. I was actually shocked when you held up that box at how small yeah. that box was. <laughs> to me, this seems like it'd be a much larger yeah. game. Right. But yeah. uh, I think that's kind of cool is that you can, I think you're starting to see in the newer style games where you can have everything compact, but then when you kind of build it out on the table, it turns into right. something much, much larger than what you would right. have. The, the box would kind of uh, give away. Yeah, that's exactly it. And people and, love the compact design. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about some of the learnings you've had gone going from uh, your first campaign to your second campaign to your third yeah. campaign? What are some of the fundamental things you did differently uh, from yeah. campaign to campaign? Um, again, I think, Community development and marketing are probably number one and two in that order. Um, Appadea, I just clicked go <laughs> and then hired a marketing team along the way. Yep. Um, Nova Lux, I knew that I needed a marketing team. So we, we kind of started that way and, um, and obviously kind of did a little bit of pre-marketing work. Um, but I think for Impendium, the big thing that I've learned, and I think one of the reasons we had such an amazing day one was everything that goes like ahead of the campaign. So, you know, we have, you know, Nova Lux out there in the market. We've got a lot of people that like it. It was, you know, eight point, I think it's 8.1 right now, or it was 8.2 when we launched mm -hmm. um, on Board Game Geek. So really great feedback. It's how do I take that feedback and sort of really continue to build? 
get backers back from Nova Lux who are really excited about all the additional content and the, the universe and want to be taking part in that story. Um, so pre-marketing, um, helping take these evangelists, if you will, and, and, you know, our friends and our backers and, and really give them a forum to do that. So, you know, private like Facebook insiders groups to start telling those stories and give mm. some advanced knowledge, you know, pre-marketing to have, you know, more email signups that people that are at least curious that never got a chance at the Novalux campaign. Um, that's the biggest thing. It's, you know, when you create a good product, and I think there's a lot of people that have great ideas and good potential to make great products. Yeah. How do you get it in front of people? You know, that's the biggest nut to crack. Um, so getting as many eyes as you can, as many people that are sort of raving fans, as my marketing team likes to describe it, yeah. that are ready, you know, and waiting, you know, when you click launch to, uh, to be backer number one through 100, um, you know, those are the people that really make the difference. So by marketing team, what do you mean by marketing team? Who's your marketing team? So we've got two now. Uh, there's a company called Next Level Web. Um, Andrew Lowen, he's doing a game called Deliverance coming up soon uh, in June, I believe. Um, so, and he's worked with a number of different Kickstarter campaigns, awesome team to work with. They helped a lot with the pre-marketing and, you know, a little bit of, you know, they're still running ads for me now during the campaign. Um, and then Jellop we worked with for, um, for Nova Lux who, you know, they're great to work with, um, a lot of good data and things like that. Um, so they actually haven't been a part of the campaign yet. And the, you know, they're going to start to kick in sort of at crunch time here as we enter into the last two weeks where you've got a little bit more, um, you know, less time to back more, you know, uh, impetus behind the ads to make a difference. Right. So they're sure. going to start kicking off actually today in a couple hours, I believe. Um, so it should be a nice, uh, you know, kind of boost to the, the tail end of the campaign with, with them. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's primarily it right now. And then, you know, I'm doing a few things myself through Facebook groups and, and, you know, board game revolutions, doing some giveaways and things like that. So, um, so yeah, you, I mean, you have to have a, a diverse audience. And again, I wouldn't claim to be <laughs> the, the ultimate expert. I'm certainly still learning, yeah. um, but I've seen the improvement with, with every, every new group we've worked with and everything we've added. So. Yeah. I like to see that. Like when you see people who, you know, have three, four five campaigns, as long as you can kind of see that staircase continue to yeah. climb that it shows right. that they're learning yeah. the prior campaigns and then they're putting effort behind carrying backers over to subsequent campaigns. Yeah. What would you say is your carryover rate between the two games you think? Um, I think we have at this point, at least I'm going to be careful to say this. I think at least 20 to 30% of the Novalux backers have already joined for Impendium, hmm. um, which I think is spectacular. I mean, you're oh, usually yeah. looking for like 10% conversion. So anything higher than that is great. Um, and again, it's, it's early days, you know, we'll see what happens in the last 48 hours. We offered, um, you know, some, uh, you know, customer loyalty stuff to, to come and back the second campaign, um, things like that. And again, it's, it's all about listening, right? I think if you read some of the comments on board game geek and like what we're trying to do, it's, it's literally, Hey, we wish we had a dual layered board for Nova Lux. Okay, guys, here's a dual layered board. That's going to work for Nova Lux and the new game. Um, and it's only, you know, uh, five, six bucks more expensive. So I find interesting. This reminds me a little bit of, uh, the, the chai, uh, the chai tea, uh, game that the Kazmaier's put out where they did really well with chai tea. And then when they came mm. with their expansion pack, 
they, the people who actually backed with the original game exceeded the number of people who actually even backed that, you know, the base game in the, in the first campaign, looking at your numbers here, you've got 172 backers who have opted to get both Nova Lux plus Impendium. Yeah. Uh, 130 backers are just taking Impendium. So yeah, it just goes to show that sometimes these expansions can bring new people into this world and universe you've created that maybe just missed out on the first campaign, didn't know about it. And through improved marketing and, you know, getting the voice out there, uh, you've exposed other people to the story that say, yeah, I want to get in on it. And uh, they don't want to get in on it on just the expansion. They, they, they want the whole thing. Right. 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 Exactly. And that's, that's one of the beautiful things about Kickstarter. It's like, Hey guys, uh, you know, first of all, we did, we wouldn't know how much to print without you. Thank you. And then, you know, because of you, we sold out the entire print run. We, you know, we sent printed a thousand copies and they're all gone, right? Retail, Kickstarter backers, it's done. So you literally, unless you find it in the aftermarket or happen to pick one up, uh, one of the few on a retail shelf, um, you know, now's the only way to guarantee you'll get a, a copy <laughs> of Nova Lux. So, um, so yeah, and, and we wanted to make sure that was a possibility because again, yeah. this is a saga. This is a trilogy. Ultimately, there's there's more games rattling, rattling uh, around in the same universe. So. I was going to ask, what's, what's the next step? So is there, yeah. is the next campaign a different gate? Like, are you going a different or is it, are you just going to keep the series going? So we have one more planned for this series as of now. Um, so again, going on the same vein, same story. Yep. Hey, we rebuilt the universe. There's this mysterious void. We still don't really understand what it is. The third one is really going to be exploring the void and an arch- you are an architect of the void and there's all sorts of cool stuff to unpack from that. Um, so, so that one's in the works. And then totally departing from the sci-fi uh, series, we have a game called Virtue, which is all about angels and demons battling for oh, cool. you know, human souls and things like that. So, so that one's um, actually fairly far along in development. We've got all the art, we've got miniatures done. Um, really just need to start, you know, the marketing machine and, and prototypes and videos yeah. and things like that. So, um, so yeah, that one should be coming, uh, most likely early 2022 at this point, uh, possibly <laughs> this year, but we'll, we'll see what goes. <laughs> what well, certainly you guys, uh, one thing you've proven is your storytellers, right. Yeah. And you, you can see that in the games you create and the, the quality and, and, and not just the, the worlds that you build, but even the visuals, right. To go along with that, I think are, are pretty impressive. So I'm sure that's uh, attributed to your success. I just want to wish you all the best on this campaign. Yeah. I think you guys are going to absolutely, you're already crushing it, but I'm sure you're probably going to do at least double where you're at right now, probably even maybe more. And uh, I can't wait to see how this whole trilogy uh, wraps up. Awesome. Thank you so much, James. Yeah. I really appreciate it, sir. No worries. You take care. Cheers. Awesome. You too. This has been an episode of the board game binge podcast. Hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.